morning we're, uh, we have scripture reading from Romans, 7th and 8th chapters, selected verses. Uh, if you want to look in your electronic version, that's fine, but uh, pages uh, 1183 to 85 are where you'll find these scriptures. If you have one of those large print versions, it's 1756, just so you know. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. But in the sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. Chapter 8, but therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. In us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. <laughs> no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ask God to praise, bless the reading of his word today. I hope that that passage seemed familiar to you because we spent a long time recently going through that whole chapter 8 in Romans uh, in a series called 8. And uh, so if you remember the Roman numerals 8, and it was so clever and hopefully it just stuck with you through all this time. But uh, hopefully it sounded a little bit familiar and we have recently looked at it, but I just thought there is no, I'm aware of no better passage to sum up this series, I Am Free, than Romans 8. It covers everything that we've covered so far and and then it ends on this note that I hope to leave us on today because the freedom that we have in Christ begins with freedom from the law, from legalism because we find that it's powerless to save us. You can try and follow all the rules but you will fail utterly and in fact that's what Romans 7 details out of Paul's experience of really Israel's experience of trying to live out the law of God. And even when they loved the law of God and desired to do the law of God, they found something else at work within their bones, something else at work within their flesh, a a different set of desires that ran in in contrast to God's ways and the ways that they wanted to follow. And he talked about the frustration that many of us have experienced because we've tried in our own power to live out the rules, to follow the rules, uh, we know pretty well in our culture, many of us do, that if, at least if you grew up in church, you probably have a sense of what it would have felt like to be a Jew whose job was to follow the commandments in their own power. And you know what that feels like and how frustrating it can be. And, and Paul you know, ends up saying, What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he talks about how, look, the, the law, all that's been put to rest because it was powerless. He said, in fact, that was his words. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did sending his son. And so we talked about, as Paul talks about in this chapter, that freedom is not found by following rules, but it's found by following the Spirit. And Paul is very clear, the apostles are very clear, that we are free from the old legal system. That doesn't mean that those rules were bad rules. It doesn't mean that they don't tell us anything about God and what he's, what he's like and what the Jesus way is like. It just means that uh, we recognize that it's powerless to save us and we're instead following the Spirit in hopes of being transformed into the kinds of people who do what God's will is because it's written on our hearts not because it's written on a piece of paper somewhere. And so we also looked the last two weeks at how even though we're free from the law, we're not to use that as an excuse to indulge the flesh and the desires of the flesh. To say, well, let's just sin then because we're free from the law. Uh, No, that's crazy. The reason God came and sent His Son, the reason Jesus died and forgave you is so you could have a clean slate and a fresh start to live in a new way, not to keep living in the same old way that 
ended you up in the trouble you were in to start with, ended us up in the collective trouble that we're in today. And the result of all that trouble that we got ourselves into is a lot of fear. It's death, ultimately. And all the fear that comes along with being a people who die, who get sick, whose bodies break down, who are unsure of our relationship with our Creator or of our meaning or purpose in this life. All this flows out of the sin that humankind brought into the world and corrupted a good creation with. Thinking that we could be gods. And so we end up with a lot of fear. Now, maybe you don't like that word. Maybe it doesn't uh, make sense to you. Maybe you don't feel like you deal with a lot of fear in your life. Uh, Well, try worry. Or try anxiety. Try depression. Aren't these things on the rise? Aren't they in the headlines every day? Haven't you lost someone? Or known of someone who lost out in their battle against anxiety and depression and fear? This is very real in our world today. Fear. Call it what you like. It takes different shapes and forms for different ones of us. What bothers me probably doesn't bother you. And vice versa. But we live with a certain amount of fear and anxiety. Of course, if you read the news, uh, that's enough to induce anxiety these days, isn't it? There's no shortage of mental illness today. They're prescribing more and more meds, making up new meds all the time to try and help people cope. In a way, it's weird because we live in a time where no one has ever had it this good when it comes to material things. No one's ever had it this comfortable, this easy. No one's had this much food and wealth at their disposal. And that's not just America, that's all the world around. Poverty is decreasing at amazing rates. People have things that they never had before. Uh, Man, whether you want to credit that to free markets or to generosity or whatever the case is, uh, in many ways the world's never been in a better place than it is today, though you wouldn't figure that out from the headlines that you read. And yet, here in arguably the most prosperous nation of all, we've got people in and out of Christianity, in and out of the church, that are struggling with meaning and purpose in their life, struggling uh, with issues like depression and anxiety, suicide, Why? We could probably all come up with some answers. Things that we think contribute to that. But today we're going to talk about freedom from fear. The freedom that we are to have from fear. That we can find in Christ from fear. Now sometimes in the church, historically at least we have treated these issues as matters of faith in the sense that 
you know, people felt ashamed if they were dealing with this because, uh, well, you just haven't, you don't have enough faith, or you're not right with God, or you don't believe the, the scriptures, or whatever. You know, you, um, you know, get with it, <laughs> Christian. What kind of Christian are you? We live in a day and time, though, where it seems that some of the most devout people that we know uh, struggle with these things. We've got in the headlines all the time uh, pastors who seem very sincere, who struggle and battle with uh, anxiety and, and suicide. I, it seems like it's fairly frequent that someone, uh, some big name in ministry, commits suicide. And I get the news because I'm a pastor, I guess. I, they, you know how the social media people are they just filter you <laughs> what you want to hear or whatever but uh, I hear this news I read these heartbreaking stories of pastors who loved their families well loved their churches well uh, people my age that struggle with this to such a degree and they end up uh, committing suicide and it's just mind blowing to me what's going on I don't think any of us have all the answers. But I think we all know that there's more going on than just genetics. And there's more going on than just chemical imbalances. Those things can be observed in the body, but that they don't rule out a spiritual cause. And they don't rule out spiritual problems. And just because uh, someone deals with anxiety and fear and depression in their life doesn't mean that they uh, are a poor Christian. That also doesn't mean that there is not a spiritual root to the issue. That there aren't roots uh, of these issues that, that can be dealt with in a spiritual way and with the Holy Spirit's help. In fact, the, the medicine that we so often rely on, which, thank God that we have it, the medicine that we so often rely on, though, deals with these things at a symptomatic level. Just like so many of our medicines today. There are very few medicines that are prescribed today that are designed to fix the root of the problem. Right? Uh, even pain medication, by and large, you know, is helping you deal with the pain from whatever is causing the pain, though, but it's not really addressing whatever is causing the pain. Now, sometimes there's medicines for that too, but a lot of times they have to do surgery or whatever the case is. And some of these mental and psychological issues, uh, they don't have a way of addressing it. They can help you with the symptoms, but it's, you, know, you can go through therapy and things like that to try and address the root of the issue, which is advisable. But the medicines and all, though they can help you, try to get to the root of the problem, get to a place where you can even deal with it. Uh, they can help with that, but they're not addressing the root of the problem, right? And we believe that there is insight from Scripture that can help us find freedom from fear. That can help us on a journey to find increasing freedom from fear. It's been the testimony of many Christians over thousands of years that they've been able to find so much freedom from the fear in their lives that I, I believe it's true. And that's what we're going to look at today. As goodness knows, our world needs it and we need it. We had this memory verse 
back in that Romans 8 series, maybe it sounds familiar to you, that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I believe it could say uh, death and fear, life and peace, right? It's contrasting these two existences, death and all that comes with it, life and all that comes with it. There is a way of life that leads to more fear, more anxiety, more of all of that, and there's a way of life that leads to more good life and peace and joy. Paul tells us about the spirit that we receive from Jesus. Not to make us slaves to sin again so that we live in fear again, but instead a spirit that brings us into adoption to God so that we're sons and daughters of God, children of God as we sing today. In fact, those songs that we sing today are rooted in this very passage of Scripture. No longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. It's pretty incredible words. Pretty powerful and hopeful thoughts. It reminds me of this, um, another verse that I think Hadley had as a memory verse and she still has it memorized uh, better than I do. But it's found in 1 Timothy 1.7. It talks about how the spirit that God gave us was not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This is the contrast of the spirit at work in us versus the spirit at work in the world, we might say. He has not given us a spirit that leads to fear, but one that leads to power and love and self-discipline. It reminds me of this verse in Romans 8. Our simple statement today is that freedom from fear leads to peace amidst problems. The freedom that God offers us is not a freedom from problems, but it's a freedom from fear, so that you can walk through problems with peace in your life. Is that not something that we desire and want? This passage, I'm not sure if it was in one of the verses that we read, but this is the same passage of Scripture that contains this famous verse that we know in all things God works for the good to those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And those all things are all the problems of life. Those all things are all the struggles, all the suffering, all the pain. We've got a a series coming up soon uh, in November on pain and suffering called Take Heart. I'm looking forward to that. But this, this concept that in all things, in all the things that you deal with, that yes, you're going to have trouble in this world, but there's a God who, who you love, and He loves you, and He's working even these bad things out for your good so that you can have confidence in that, so that you can have peace in the midst of your struggles. A lot of us, many of us maybe are familiar with these concepts, This notion that freedom from fear leads to peace from problems is something that we want to believe. That we've been taught, if we grow up in church, if we've gone to church any, we we understand. And this, a lot of these concepts, 
that are presented as truth are what led us to feel ashamed about the fear that we have because we feel like, well, I shouldn't. And it says that I shouldn't. And why don't I seem to be free from worry? Why don't I seem to be free from fear and anxiety the way that it says that I should be? I, I have faith. I believe. I believe that this is God's word. I believe it's true. Why is it not setting me free from fear? How does this truth then become realized in our lives? And I want to suggest to you that mentally agreeing with a truth is not the same as incorporating that truth into your life, of internalizing that truth, of saying, you know, yes, for instance, I believe Jesus existed. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. Believing that, like saying as a historical fact, I think that happened, is different than working that truth into your life and working that truth out in your life. Can we agree that that's two separate things? Like, I can believe that sugar is killing me, but working that out in my life as if I really believe it, you know, is a different thing. There's, everything in life works that way. There's lots of things that we can, you know, believe about this or believe about that. We can give mental assent to it without really working that truth into our minds, into our souls. Now, there's not just a ton. There is plenty, but there's not as much as we might would hope for in Scripture about how to work such truths into our lives, like the process that a person goes through. And I believe that's partly because that culture already knew how to do that. I'm not saying they were all good at it. I'm just saying they grew up understanding how you practiced religious faith, how you worked truths into your life. Uh, they were good at memorizing things. They were largely illiterate. And if you uh, do any, I've, I've done research, that's, I've seen research that says that people even today who are illiterate are way better at memorizing things than people who are illiterate. Uh, people who have pen and paper around all the time don't have to memorize stuff. People who can Google things don't have to memorize stuff. I mean, I Google the same things over and over because I can't remember <laughs> the facts. Like, well, what was that again? How many teaspoons and a tablespoon? And so we don't have to memorize things because we can just look them up. But in their day, they knew how to memorize things and carry it with them through the day and have that present in their mind to call it up at any moment that they needed to. They understood how to do that. They understood how to meditate on things, really think things through. How to spend time alone and quiet and working through. Uh, meditation was something that people knew how to practice back then. They, knew, they had a lot more quiet in their world to practice it as well. Uh, fasting was something that people knew how to practice back then. And not just in the Jewish community, but people knew uh, in those cultures, they knew how to practice these things to work truths into their lives. We've forgotten many of them. But we're going to look at a few today. And there's a perfect verse for this as we look at how do we practically get from this idea that freedom from fear 
leads to peace amidst problems to actually realizing some of that in our lives. And obviously we're not going to accomplish all of this in one uh, you know, remainder of a sermon here. So I do want to, I'm going to point you to a resource as well. There's a, a Christian man named J.P. Moreland. Uh, he's a Christian philosopher and a Christian uh, apologist. And he has a personal testimony that involves anxiety. He dealt with anxiety most all of his life, but it wasn't debilitating until later in his life. And he's dealt with a couple different bouts of just debilitating panic attacks and anxiety and uh, to the extreme. And so, uh, yes, he uh, has you know, taken medications to help deal with all that, but he didn't want it to keep cropping up in his life. And so he began on a journey to figure out biblical and scriptural practices and ways that he can incorporate biblical truth into his life and begin to transform his mind by the help of the Holy Spirit. And this book flows out of that. It's called Finding Quiet. If you or someone you know struggle with anxiety and you would like to learn tips and tricks for uh, working with the Holy Spirit to find freedom from that in your life, this would be a more in-depth resource than what I'm going to be able to give you in the next five to ten minutes, right? So, um, a lot of what I'm going to share is covered in more detail there. So that's a book I'm recommending. I haven't read the book, but I'm familiar with its content, and I've heard the author speak about it, and I know um, Brett Rogers speaks highly of it and has um, been through it. Well, let's talk for a moment through uh, this short passage of Scripture Philippians 4, 6 through 7, and we'll look at 8, which we looked at last week as well. Um, anxiety, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, for some of us, that passage is enough to give us anxiety, because it begins by saying, don't be anxious about anything, and we're like... <laughs> Anxious about that. Oh my. There's a phenomenon that happens in biology called, you didn't know we were going there, did you? <laughs> we're going to talk biology for just a second. It's called positive feedback loops. And I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Uh, it's, it happens internally in your body all the time with uh, just bodily functions. And sometimes they get. Uh, they have positive effects and sometimes they have negative effects. Just because it's called positive feedback loops doesn't mean everything that comes from it is positive. So sometimes this is what causes things to spiral out of control in your body or in your life. In other ways, it can be really helpful. Uh, so just a couple quick examples. Um, how, do, how does alcoholism start? Well, it's because of often positive feedback loops. So uh, someone will get drunk, they wake up with a headache, they find that drinking more alcohol can cure the headache, then their body rewards them for that, and it just creates this whole cycle, right? Where then they're uh, drinking to get relief, and they're having pain, which they need relief from, and then, you know what I mean? These are loops, cycles, that happen in people's lives. Uh, the same thing can happen with our thought life. And so you can have a negative thought that uh, sets off a chemical reaction in your body that you don't know anything about and then you're feeling more negative and that leads to more negative thoughts which lead to more chemical reactions and you see where that goes um, and it spirals downhill. And, and so 
sometimes what you have to do when you've got something like that going on, like we often get going on with fear and anxiety, is you have to figure out how to interrupt the cycle, how to interrupt the loop, or else it'll just keep going. So how do we do that? I think the Apostle Paul gives us a pretty good, pretty good lesson here. So when you're in that loop of anxiety, no matter the situation, interrupt it with prayer. Interrupt it with prayer and petition, that's an asking sort of prayer, with thanksgiving. So you present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't feel like prayer is something we're very good at. Or maybe I should just say I don't feel like it's something I'm very good at. And maybe that's because we don't practice it enough. Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't passed on to us well enough. I don't know. But it's something we need to grow in, isn't it? This ability to interrupt a negative cycle by going to prayer. Learning to speak with God about things that are difficult. And scripture, especially the Psalms, are full of examples where people were dealing with anxiety and they went to God with it. Very raw emotions that they would just bring to God in prayer. They'd bring their anxiety. It wasn't like they came, God, I know I'm not supposed to be anxious. And I'm just going to pray a happy prayer. No, that was, they were real with God. They brought those things to God. Those very real requests and petitions, they brought them to God. We need to do that as well. There's another clue here that I think is huge when it comes to interrupting a loop, and that is gratitude. Thanksgiving. I mean, by its very nature, a negative cycle of thoughts and anxiety and fear is not thinking about things that you're thankful for. <laughs> like that's, I'm unaware of anyone that was ever just you know, daydreaming about all the things they had to be thankful for and started having anxiety because of those things. I don't know. Now it's possible to start thinking about that and think, man, so many good things in my life, something bad's about to happen, I know it. <laughs> but at that point you're no longer being thankful. But gratitude is something that can interrupt that loop. In fact, uh, just the other day I ran across an article that was talking about, uh, it was a secular article, uh, talking about scientific research that has shown the power of gratitude to change the people's mental health. I'm like, imagine that. <laughs> We've been talking about that in the church for a couple thousand years. Glad y'all are putting pen to paper on it, you know. <laughs> we, uh, we've already been there. We figured that out. But we forget sometimes. So, interrupt it with gratitude and thanks. Now, all this requires a certain self-awareness. And I think prayer might help with that self-awareness. But so does quiet time and space that you may be afraid of. I mean, fear. You don't like quiet because you don't like fear, right? That's where the voices seem loudest in your mind, in your heart. But sometimes we need that quiet to be able to tell what's going on. 
How can we tell what's going on? How can we bring it to God? How can we fight it with any tool at our disposal if we're just trying to keep it at bay and not deal with it? There's one last thing that Paul says in Philippians that has to do with that. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you remember that from last week? If you were here last week, and we were talking about freedom from lust, and we were talking about how um, the feelings that we have, the emotions that we have, we have so little control over them. The same is true with the biology in our body. I've yet to meet anyone who can muster control over their hormones and chemicals in their body. Brain, I want you to produce more of that. <laughs> you know, like, we just can't do that. And similarly, we can't control our emotions. We can't just say, you know what? I'm just going to be happy now. <laughs> like, you can't make it happen. You don't have direct control over those things. But we have indirect control. There are things that we can do to interrupt the cycle. There's things that we can do to take control of that would lead to or lead in a better direction. We can change up a variable somewhere in our life that will have consequences on things that we can't directly control. So you can't control the chemicals in your brain, but if you controlled the thoughts that you were thinking, that would affect the chemicals in your brain. You can't control the emotion that you're feeling, but if you can take control of the thoughts in your brain, it will affect the emotions that you're feeling. And so we have indirect control. And by the Spirit's power and grace in our life, we can take control of our thought life. Now, it's possible that you may also want some medication to help with that, because sometimes when you get to a point where the, the chemicals and all that kind of stuff going on in your body is so overwhelming, you may need some space to be able to begin to work on these things. Sure, go for it. But don't just rest in medication and not ever address the heart of the problem. Or how will you ever find true freedom? We can take control of our thoughts if we learn to recognize What's going on in our brains? What thoughts are occupying our minds? We can take control of them. We can run them through this test. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? And if it's not, we kick it out and we pick something that is. You need a game plan. You need to know, what am I going to switch to when I recognize this negative thought pattern in my life? What am I going to go to to insert a change in the variables so that I'm going to move in a different direction with my emotions and whatever chemical stuff's going on in my brain. Like, you need a game plan. Because in that moment of negativity, you're not going to probably be thinking clearly about your options, so you need a game plan. And maybe that game plan for you is going to God in prayer with gratitude. Maybe it's as simple as that. Like, you're going to make a list. You're going to keep on making that list to God until... Uh, you can break free from that cycle of thought into a healthier cycle of thought. But that's what you're going to use to interrupt it. Some kind of gratitude. Maybe you need to even plan out what you're going to start out with on your list of gratitude because in that moment it may just be difficult to think of anything you can be grateful for. But there's always something you can be grateful for. 
even in the worst situation, I believe that we can find, we can find freedom from peace. Today, in our circle time, we're going to give you note cards that will have this verse on it. And you can memorize that verse. Um, circle leaders, if you don't have those note cards yet, they're in your box. Um, so we can give you those. They have these on there. If you want help memorizing this verse 8, I mentioned this last week, but you can use this acronym. Uh, I, this is what I call it. I call it Tenor Play EP. Because that's, they're all musical terms and I like music. But uh, Tenor Play EP is an easy way to remember. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Trust me, you can do it. <laughs> I believe in you. Equip yourself with something so that you can fight these battles. And this is a good place to start. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. But freedom from peace, freedom from fear can lead to peace. You don't want to be free from peace. can lead to peace amidst our problems. And I believe it's true because people have done it before. Not just because the Bible says so, but because people have done it before. People have taken the truths that we read about in our scripture and they've used them to find freedom from fear in some pretty radical ways. In early Christianity, I'm sure I've mentioned this to you before, but we have sources about Christians from secular sources, people that hated Christians, Romans that hated Christians, that were persecuting Christians, and they would write about Christians sometimes. And it's curious, interesting sometimes to read what they had to say about Christians. They say bizarre, things that sound bizarre to us, like calling us atheists because we didn't believe in their pantheon of gods. One of the things that was said about Christians in the early days, during the time of persecution that was very hot in the Roman Empire, written by a prominent Roman citizen, was that fearlessness in death is something we see in them every day. This man was in a position to witness what went on in the Colosseum in places like that. Christians that suffered and died for their faith. And even though he didn't like them, he wrote that fearlessness in death was something that he witnessed in these Christians, these Jesus people, every day. I'm just here to tell you that if our ancestors in the faith could find freedom from their fear in such circumstances as that, then surely there is still freedom by the Spirit's power for us as well. Don't give up on your fight for freedom. This is our ancestry. This is our heritage. We do not fear death or anything else that the devil may send our way. What does it say? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And promises like that worked into their lives, sustained them through terrible trials. And it can sustain us as well. We do not have to be slaves to negativity, to worry, to fear. All that may not change in an instant for you. 
but you can begin to journey a journey that leads to freedom from fear. And I hope that you will. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever insecurities you have, begin to bring them to God. Begin to work out this truth in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love, for your truth, your grace. God, we need your better way of life. It's easy for us, God, to get trapped in fear or anxiety or depression, all these things that we struggle with. And they can feel really suffocating, but we know that your spirit has the power to set us free. So God, teach us to do our part, to trust you, to supply the power that we don't have. Heal our hearts and our minds and our nation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.